Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Uh, today we'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through to 16. Um, so please open up uh, your Bibles to follow along if you have them. In those days, Caesar's, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not bring, be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. My name's Ross, if we haven't met. But it's good to share this Christmas season together and to think about why we are celebrating Christmas. Who is it for? What's it got to do with me? So we're having a closer look at this passage in just a moment. I'm going to pray first that God might speak to us through these, these words and this passage. Please pray with me. Dear Father God, just thank you for this opportunity to come together in a Christmas season with family and friends. And we just pray that, Lord, in this time we, we do get uh, caught up with our busy list, things we've got to do and get done to make this Christmas special. But, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to us this morning to make this Christmas special, that we might see you clearly and know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. It is that time of year where the Time magazine announces their person of the year. Who is it? Have you heard? Who's person of the year? Yes, you guessed it. It's Tay-Tay. It's Taylor Swift or Swifties for those people who go, that's no surprise at all. Guys, can I just have the back screen? Thanks. But if you're a Swifty like me, and I know what you're thinking, Ross is a Swifty. Yes, me, E, E, E. Me, E-E-E, -E -E. it's really a love story that I just can't shake it off. I can't shake it off. <laughs> or for other people who think this is, sounds like a death, like a thousand cuts, let me tell you, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. 
Swifties will know what that means. Uh, yes, Taylor Swift, Person of the Year. And if you read the Time magazine, why they uh, brought her up as Person of the Year, they, they state things like this. This year, something shifted. She has become the main character of the world. Everybody's talking about it. Everything she does, she's in the media. She's everywhere. And not just everywhere, they went to one of her concerts just to see what is this buzz about. And they come back saying, standing in the arena, in the, in the arena uh, it's not hard to understand why this is the biggest thing in the world. And they described their experience of in the arena with 50,000 people is like having a religious experience with her in that room. She's, big. she's a big deal. Even herself financially, she's now clocked over a billion dollars in personal assets. At 33, that's not too bad. But she's also credited, the US has accredited her, or given her the credit for bringing in $10 billion into their economy. So Time Magazine says when the Federal Reserve uh, mentions you as a reason for economic growth, that, that economic growth is up, that's a big deal. As in, you're a big deal, right? She's a big deal. Now, if you're a Swifty, you'd realise that, hey, she's coming to Australia soon. Wouldn't it be cool to meet her? Wouldn't it be cool to meet someone like Taylor Swift, to go, hey, what's life like? Tell us about, maybe exchange phone numbers, maybe catch up whenever she's in Australia, show her around. That would be pretty cool to actually get to meet her. So I Googled, right? So I Googled how to meet Taylor Swift. And apart from the best solution I got was go to a concert, be lucky enough to get tickets to a concert, push your way through 50,000 people, and you might get a selfie with her. That's as close as you're going to get. That's not good enough. That's not meeting her. So I Google who can meet Taylor Swift. And basically, unless you know someone who knows her, you're not going to meet Taylor Swift. That's still not good enough. So I Googled, what would I have to do to meet Taylor Swift? I've got plenty of suggestions. Plenty of websites come up from that, mostly stating it's illegal to stalk people. So <laughs> I kind of like hit a dead end with that one. I don't mean to be creepy or anything, but to meet Taylor Swift would be pretty cool. But she doesn't do meet and greets. She doesn't even uh, open her own fan mail. She has a team of people that opens a thousand letters a day of her fan mail. You could try and go to a concert and push through 50,000 people. But there's something about people, important people, people who are a big deal, that are just a bit beyond us, aren't they? They're out of our reach. We don't have contact with them. They're in a different league. We're in a different world. That we can't actually just meet them and change, exchange phone numbers. Well, at Christmas time, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, who also is an important person, who is a big deal. In fact, Time magazine in 2013 ranked the top 500 most influential people in the world, in world history. 500. How did Jesus go on that list? He ranked one. They listed him as the most influential person in world history. Number one, he's a bit of a big deal, you might say. But for Jesus then, why was Jesus named this number one most influential person in history, the big deal? What's, what is, what makes him a big deal? And what kind of people could meet Jesus? 
Was he as accessible as Taylor Swift? You just can't get to him. Or even today, how can we meet Jesus today? It's actually in this passage and in the whole book of Luke that we've been spending a few uh, weeks in now, we're going to see the answer to these questions. Why was Jesus a big deal? Who got to meet him? How can I meet him even today? This is where we're going. Now, before we get to the birth of Jesus, that's in chapter 2 of Luke that we had read for us. Uh, In chapter 1 of Luke, Jesus is introduced. And he's introduced as the biggest, he's the main character on the world stage of history. Not then, but forever. And why is that? Well, an angel appeared to Mary, and this is what the angel said. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. This is what we learn about Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High. That's the Son of God himself. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. He's going to be the king over God's people. That's the whole Jacob bit. Did you notice the bit forever? Because it's repeated. His kingdom will never end. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good rap, isn't it? This is how great Jesus is going to be. But then after Jesus is born, we heard in our Bible reading, the angel again appears to some shepherds. This is the message they give to the shepherds about Jesus. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That's another great rap, isn't it? Like, this guy's going to be great. Can you imagine seeing somebody putting their resume up that reads like that? I don't know. A Kanye West. A Donald Trump. What's so good about them? I will be great. I can almost hear the words now. I will be called the Son of God. I'll sit on the throne over God's people forever. My kingdom will never end. I am the Saviour. I am the Messiah. I am the Lord. You'd go, you're out of your tree, mate. You're nuts. This is just way over the top. It's just not going to happen. But this is not just somebody putting themselves up. These are like the angels sent from God announcing this is what Jesus is going to be like. I'm not sure what image you have of angels, a bit like fairies with little skirts and magic wands and the little fluttery wings, the magic dust around them. That's not really the way the Bible describes what angels are like. In the Old Testament, back in uh, Exodus, Angels come out and wipe out a whole bunch of Egyptians. They kill them. In two kings, they come up against the Assyrian army and some angels wipe out a whole army. Angels are like sent from God. They're from heaven and like they're powerful. So when uh, Mary gets confronted by the angels here, uh, says she's troubled. When they appear before the shepherds, they said they're terrified. These angels are not just little pretty fluttery things. They're like, these are from God. And what are they? When they say, they're not just reading out a resume, they're saying, you need to listen to this. And the shepherds, the Mary, we're all, and Luke's trying to say for us, you need to listen. The angels are announcing Jesus. Jesus will be great. Jesus will be the Son of God. Jesus will sit on the throne of God's people forever. His kingdom will never end. Jesus is the Saviour, Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Lord. That's like, wow, he's a big deal. He's a somebody. 
And then as the story continues, this is just the start of a guy called Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, but also four, three other guys, there's four, like you might say, references for the resume. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John all write books about Jesus to go, yeah, it's true. It's really true. He did all this stuff to show he is what the angels said he is. He's a big deal. So there's no, uh, it's not trivial that the Time magazine picked up Jesus as the most influential figure in all of history. Because all this stuff come true in his lifetime and it continues. But if Jesus is good, he's like royalty, God's royalty, divine royalty, who could get to meet Jesus? Who would be good enough to meet this king? What would they be like? Now, I know you're probably your mind's going to nativity scenes. I don't know, we've got a nativity scene at home. It's a bit different to this. But a nativity t- scene gives you the answers. There's Mary and Joseph, there's shepherds, there's some wise men. They're all well-groomed and they all uh, present nice gifts. And it all looks really nice and peaceful and calm. And it's something that's like, oh man, that would have been a special moment. But I think it's actually not quite like that. You've got to think, from what we've just seen, Jesus is God's king. He's divine. He's God's king coming into this world. This is him. Very first day of coming into the world, what would he expect? It's more like a picture you'd get if royalty come to Australia. Now, what would it be like for King Charles uh, and Queen Camilla to rock up in Brisbane, say? They have their special plane and they put out the the big, the big um, stairs for them to walk down because it's like a grand entry. How would we do that in Brisbane? We'd want to make that special, right? First impressions matter. So we'd probably pull out the red carpet like that and get the army to soldiers to line up like that. This is a grand uh, welcome, isn't it? Maybe a, a brass band on the side and we'd get important people to meet them. Maybe um, the prime minister... Albanese, he'll be there, he'll want to meet the king and queen. Maybe our premier, he'll be there. Whatever his premier's name is, we can't remember yet. He'll be there, the governor general will be there. All the important people will be there to meet the queen, uh, to meet the queen, to meet the king and the queen. Because this is a special moment, right? But could you imagine what the mood would be like if the plane pulls up, stairs go up, Prince Charles, uh, King Charles, Gets to the soft top of the stairs and he starts to walk down. And who's there to greet him? But a baggage handler. You know, it's a hot summer Queensland weather. He's sweaty, he's stinky, he's dirty because he's been crawling around under planes. He says, crikey, it's hot here, isn't it, mate? And it's like, well, something a bit more colourful than that. And the, what do you think King Charles is thinking? He's walking down the stairs and going, do you know who I am? turns around and where's Queen Camilla? She's not even walking down the stairs. She's just looked outside and going, are we at the right place? Like, seriously? She goes back inside. So that's no welcome royalty would accept. No welcome at all. But yet, what we see what's going on here is, and Luke paints a picture, doesn't he? Luke uh, explains, sets the scene that Mary and Joseph... They go to this place called Bethlehem. Now, we have this romantic view of Bethlehem. It's a 
pretty quiet, nice sort of place. But actually, Bethlehem's described in the Bible as a bit of a nowheresville. It's a bit of, you know, nothing good comes out of places like Bethlehem. It's a bit like Ipswich or anywhere like that. Anybody from Ipswich might know what I'm talking about. But it's kind of like, why would you go there? You talk to me over a coffee afterwards. <laughs> but it's like, this is Bethlehem. This is his hometown that he's been called to go. Already we're thinking, we should be thinking, this is, what's so special about him? But then you go, Mary, she was pledged to be married. She's not even married. And what is she? Expecting a child. Now in that day, this is first century Jewish culture, the religious culture, if you are expecting a child and not married, you're like disowned from the family. You can be even killed for stuff like that, stoned to death for stuff like that. This is messy. It's a very messy situation that, that they've got themselves into. And then she has the baby and he's placed in a nice cot or you know, something suitable for a king, but no, a manger. It's like, into, like a feeding trough for animals smelly and straw because there was no guest room available now it's not just the the inns or the hotels were full but in the first century in the roman empire people did a lot of traveling and when you traveled through different towns you'd look up a friend or a relative and hospitality was really big you'd stay with a friend or a relative the fact that no friend or relative put them up or the best they could get the animal store sort of indicates well maybe they don't have any close friends or relatives they're sort of bottom of the food chain this is not great. This is not a great entry for the king. King Charles, uh, Prince King Charles and Queen Camilla wouldn't accept it. But yet Jesus is not saying, do you know who I am? Am I really at the right place? He's not saying that. Maybe the angels can recover this because the angels seem to be going out recruiting a welcoming party. Now, I know we're thinking um, the nativity scene, but actually, if we be realistic, this is divine royalty, royalty coming from God, God's king coming into the world. What sort of people should be meeting Jesus? We've had Mary and Joseph uh, with their messy lives as their parents. Who's going to be the welcoming party? Now, you'd think maybe Jesus, he's religious, he's sort of coming from God, maybe a high priest. He's coming into the Roman Empire, maybe uh, Emperor Augustus. Luke has already mentioned Emperor Augustus earlier on, maybe that. Even a prophet. What about John the Baptist? He's floating around somewhere. Maybe they should be the ones to, end, to welcome Jesus into humanity. But the angels seem to go past the temple at Jerusalem. They go past the Roman Emperor's uh, palace. Then go past John the Baptist. Where are the angels going? Well, Luke tells us they go to some shepherds living in the fields. Now, we might think blue-collar workers just going out doing a day's job, but no, these are shepherds. Their job is looking after sheep. They live in the fields. How do you think they're really dressed? Are they wearing their good clothes? Probably tattered, dirty. When they're working in the country in the dust with animals, They'd be smelly, wouldn't they? When was the last time they had a shower or a bath? Never. <laughs> They're sort of not looking their best. But yet God has chosen these guys to be the welcoming team for King Jesus. 
the angel appeared and says, mate, you guys have got to come and have a look at this. This is great. A saviour's born. The Messiah's here. A king has come. You need to check this out. And God wants these guys so much to be the ones. He doesn't just send one angel. Luke tells us a great company of us. It's like an army of angels of, from, of heavenly hosts appeared. God really wants these guys to be there, doesn't he? To send, when was the last time you got an invitation to meet someone special? And what would you expect that to be like? Maybe an email, hey, come and join us. Maybe uh, you might get a letter, invitation, something in the mail. But how about not just an angel appear, come and check this out, but a whole army of angels come and appear, come and check this out. You're the welcoming team. Come and see. And they do. And we've got to ask questions then. What do we want Jesus' parents to be like? Oh, well-respected, good reputation, they've got their lives together. These guys are messy. They're poor, peasant, young couple, unmarried, having a baby. What do we want the welcoming team to look like? Smelly, dirty shepherds just rocking up for a sticky beak. It's like, this is a first impression. Jesus doesn't say, do you know who I am? If Jesus could talk when he was born. But do you know who I am? Tell me I'm in the wrong place. This <laughs> not what I was expecting. He left the throne of heaven for this. But he meets his parents and the welcoming team. Meets them all. This is unusual. It is unexpected. It's like if your nativity, nativity scene at home needs to be more realistic, and here's a tip for you kids if you've got a nativity scene at home, rub the shepherds in the dirt and get them all dirty. Yeah, even Mary and Joseph, they're not wearing their best clothes. Tear their clothes. If you're able to tear their clothes, tear their clothes a little bit too. Maybe ask your mum and dad for that. Can you do that sort of stuff? But here's another tip. You should ask your mum and dad before you do. Because they're in a stable, get some animal poo and rub it around the nativity scene. Because that's really what Jesus is walking into. Smelly, dirty, it's very average. King Charles, wouldn't, King Charles and Queen Camilla wouldn't do it. Tay-Tay wouldn't do it. But yet Jesus, like, he's pretty comfortable. Pretty comfortable moving into that space. So who can meet Jesus? It's like Jesus has chosen just average people. They're not looking their best. They're not smelling their best. They definitely haven't got their lives together. But yet Jesus comes into their world and wants to meet them out of anybody famous, celebrities, sports stars, politicians, he meets them. It says something about Jesus, doesn't it? This is the crowd of people that he wants to hang out with. Well, how can we meet Jesus today? I mean, they got to meet him. It was a long time ago. How can we meet this Jesus today? Well, let me tell you how not to do it. How the lie that we've been told about, about meeting Jesus, and that is you need religion. Religion is the pass for you to meet Jesus. That's right, you've got to be, uh, dress a particular way and wear the right uh, crosses or jewellery and uh, you've got to speak right, especially if you're praying, you've got to use language that only God can understand. Oh, holy God. Yeah, you've got to do all that stuff. You've got to, uh, to be allowed to speak, you've got to quote Bible verses and as long as they're from the King James, the real word of God, it's like, just joking. But it's kind of like the expectation is you need to, be religious. And religious has said, you know, 
You're not good enough because you fail, you sin, you upset God, and he doesn't want anybody that's upsetting him. So he's not going to want to hang out with you. So what's the answer religion says? Do more, try harder, be better. Be more moral, be more cleaner, be more upright. Get your life right to be near God. And in the end, you're not really going to know because you're not going to know until maybe you die and you're at heaven's gates and are you going to get let in or not? Are you good enough or not? Are you religious enough or not religious enough? That that'll be the test. You won't really know, so make sure you're trying harder, be better, be more moral, get your life together. That way Jesus might accept you. That's what religion says. And religion's a lie because Jesus didn't want to hang out with religious people. He hung out with everyday people. Mary didn't say to the angel, when the angel said, you're going to give birth to the Son of God, she didn't say, well, hang on, Joseph, we're going to need to get our stuff together because you need to marry me, we need to buy a new house, we need to get stuff, we need a stable, we need to get... She didn't get her life organised first. She was like, wow, I am going to meet the Son of God, the King, the Messiah. And she does. The shepherds didn't say to the angels, whoa, meet this new baby who's just been born. Hang on, we're going to have to detour via Jerusalem, go to have a bath or a shower and get some new clothes. We're going to, this is going to take days to prepare for this. No, no, they just, we're just going to meet the King. We're going to meet Jesus, God's King, our Messiah, King, the Lord. They just went as they were. The thing about them, though, they didn't pursue the religious trail. They pursued the Messiah. They pursued the King, the Saviour. They pursued the Lord. They needed him. So they went there as they were, and Jesus accepted them. Jesus comes to people who know they're not good enough, who know they need a Saviour, who know they need a Messiah, a Lord, He's going to go forever. It's not going to abandon them because of their mess. But in fact, he's going to stick around and clean up their mess. That's what a true Messiah does. A true Lord. And that's what Jesus does. See, all the stuff we've looked at is up to and around the time Jesus is born. But did Jesus live up to his expectations? And for that one... We're going to have to look at what the disciples thought of all this because the disciples were 12 guys. They hung around Jesus. They saw his miracles. They heard his teaching. They saw him get killed on a cross, but then not stay dead. He was buried. They mourned for him. But after three days, he rose again, defeating death, but also taking the death they deserved for their sin. He was cleaning up their mess through his death and then resurrection to show he truly was God truly did accomplish giving life. That's what Jesus did. What impact did that have on the disciples? Luke tells us right at the end of his book, in Luke 24, he says, when Jesus had led them out into the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. The same sort of joy that was talked about at Jesus' birth, they're having at the end of Luke. Why are they so full of joy? They got to meet Jesus, the Messiah, the King, the Lord. They not only got to see it and experience him, he changed their lives. 
But even him leaving, they're going, that's okay. We're still joyful, even though Jesus is not with us here and now in presence that we can touch. He is with us. He ascended to heaven. He's still alive. And then Luke goes on to write the book of Acts on how that continued to change people's lives. And the church just exploded. It boomed because Jesus was still active in people's lives. That's the Jesus we can still meet today. And if you look around, there's lots of people who's met Jesus in this way, come to him as King and Lord and my Messiah, the one who's going to deal with my mess, the one that's going to present me perfect before God. And he is our Lord, he is alive, and he is changing our lives. That's the one the disciples worship. That's the one we worship here at Southside, the true King, the true Messiah. This is the one you can meet too. He's not just a big deal, but he's... He's the one we need, the one we're looking for, Messiah, a Lord that we need to follow and worship. Let me pray that this Christmas will not be just your stereotypical nativity scene, nice Christmas, but to be confronted with someone who is a big deal, not just then, but now and for us today. Let me pray. Dear Father God, just thank you for the privilege it is to be shown who you are, that as King and Lord, sitting on the throne of heaven, you weren't afraid to enter into our world and enter into our lives. As messy as it might be, as unprepared as we might be, Lord, you're just so gracious and loving. You walk in and you want to meet us. You want to help us. You want to be our Saviour. Lord, help us to meet you this Christmas, to know you, Lord, show us, no matter where we're at on our journey, where we've got questions or investigating or, or whether we've been following you for 50 years, Lord, refresh our hearts with a true image of you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.